Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, they say spring is here, but I have yet to see any evidence of it here in New York City. In fact, I am still wearing my mittens. But we must always think positively. In fact, just before we went on the air, I was reading an article about positive thoughts and emotions extending your life. They can, in fact, boost your immune system. So it is true. So no matter how cold the weather, it's always the perfect temperature here in the studio. And that is due to the warm heart of my wonderful producer, Lori Houston. Wow, (laughs) that is a good segue. (laughs) I I thought you'd like that segue. So, well, summer will be upon us very soon, and then we'll all complain that it's too hot. So, you know, you can't win. You can't win. But on a positive note, we do have a very hot topic to discuss on today's show. And just to briefly set it up, I was uh, recently invited to a female entrepreneur roundtable panel discussion to celebrate women in the workplace. And the panelists were very notable women in their own right. Among them were Randy Zuckerberg. She's the founder and CEO of Zuckerberg Media. And yes, sister of Mark. There was Alison Hug, who's founder and CEO of a company that makes the world's first non-toxic self-tanner. That actually all the celebrities wear, and renowned New York City dermatologist, Dr. Ann Chappas, in whose clinic, Union Square Dermatology, the event was held. And you know, Lori, I have been doing this for a very long time, and and I think I've heard it all by this point. But this was a very enlightening discussion. And I was so impressed with the moderator, Rhonda Abrams, that I invited her to come on the show today. And, and she is she is here with us. Uh, Rhonda is widely recognized as one of the nation's foremost experts on entrepreneurship and business planning. And her bio, as you will hear, is so impressive that I'd like to cut and paste it over my own. <laughs> I might have already done that. Uh, She has written 19 books, which have sold over 2 million copies, been translated into over 30 languages and adopted by more than 1,000 business schools. I I didn't even know there were that many. Uh, Her books include the number one best-selling business plan guide in the U.S., Successful Business Plan Secrets and Strategies. And Rhonda not only writes about entrepreneurship, she lives it. She has founded four companies, from a one-person consulting firm to an internet company. And currently, she's president and chief entrepreneur of Planning Shop, which is a content creation company based in Silicon Valley, which from where she is coming to us this very day. Welcome, Rhonda. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Jane. I'm delighted to be here. And it is beautiful and sunny here in Silicon Valley. So spring is on its way. Spring is on. Well, it's nice actually here in New York, but it's still cold. So we, well, uh, it's a, summer is here soon, or, or spring at least. Let's start with that. Now, Rhonda, you were named one of the 100 most influential women in Silicon Valley. And every year you're also named one of the top 100 small business influencers in the U.S. And, you know, as we know, that just doesn't happen overnight. You don't wake up one morning and suddenly you've achieved these incredible accomplishments. You know, I wake up with a, a backache from having done too many deadlifts the day before in the gym. <laughs> but so um, let's let's backtrack a bit. When and how did this journey 
all begin for you? Wow. Well, that's, that's a really good question. And I guess, truthfully, if you started to think about it, it began when I was a little girl. Um, and my uh, parents uh, wanted me to be an attorney. And my father would take me down. Um, I lived in Los Angeles down. A few times he took me downtown L.A. to see the very few women judges. Um, and the, if I stop and think about it, really, they were giving me role models at a time when there were very few um, women role models. But I, my father particularly, but my mother too, uh, understood that women needed role models to be able to succeed and they needed expectations to succeed. And I guess my journey really began with parents who believed that I could become a professional, that I had um, uh, possibilities beyond the life that was in suburban San Fernando Valley. And um, they made sure that they showed me those uh, role models and talked to me about it and talked to me about aspirations. So I guess it really begins with, you know, the little girls or the little boys as to what your aspirations are and what role models you see. And I was fortunate indeed to have parents who were enlightened about that. You know, it's interesting. I had, my father was a judge. In fact, he was the presiding judge of the Supreme Court here in New York City. And he'd bring uh, cases home uh, to the dinner table and he'd tell us about them. And I was a little girl and I'd say, guilty, they're all guilty. And he goes, well, you haven't even heard the facts yet. So uh, luckily, <laughs> uh, luckily I, I did not become a um, a lawyer, <laughs> right? a prosecutor as, as it were. So, um, but before we talk about some of the challenges that women face and in, in starting or running a business, which we will get to. Um, let's start by talking about women's participation in the workforce in general. And I, I believe that um, starting in the in the 70s, it was, it was actually difficult for a single income household to support a comfortable middle class, if you will, lifestyle. And I, and I think it wasn't, it wasn't that the opportunities opened up for women. It wasn't that the, uh, that opportunities opened up, but it was a sort of for economic need that drove them to work. Are you finding that there are more and more opportunities available today for women? Well, I think also you have to also recognize that that happened at the same time as the women's movement and women. So not only was there the economic necessity coming to have um, two income households, but there was an absolute desire to have um, lives, you know, for women to have lives that had impact in the society at large besides in their own family or community. And so the women's movement also uh, drove realistic, you know, aspirations on the part of young women and women to have a broader impact and to be able to pursue professions. Um, and so I think there were both things happened at one time to make it happen so that there were more women in the, uh, entering the workforce. And certainly, certainly there are more, opportunities today than there were in the 70s and you know um, more recognition that women are going to be your co-workers or your boss um, and I'm old enough to remember discussions when people would say well what would it be like for a man to have a woman boss and that was sort of unthinkable um, so there are more opportunities but I think we also feel like why aren't we further along um, than mm -hmm. we'd like to be but definitely um, there are more more chances, more, more women are starting businesses. You see a handful more CEOs of fortune, you know, 500 companies and uh, more recognition that there are opportunities, different kinds of opportunities in the workforce for women. 
And I know when these kids today they graduate from from college and and graduate school, they there are they have so many loans that they they don't know how they're going to pay them back. And my daughter included, who recently graduated from law school. What advice would you give them from where to start? Because, you know, when they're in college, they're sort of lost. They don't really know what to do. They kind of know, but they're not really know. And, of course, if you go to law school, you know you're going to be a, a, a lawyer, basically, but the jobs are not always there. Is there anything that they should be thinking about as they're going through school or graduate school that would help them decide what they want to do? Oh, well, that's, that's a little outside of my area of expertise. But I You know everything, Rhonda. You know everything. <laughs> I know you do. You can no, answer anything. Well, first of all, I would say absolutely positively get a college degree mm-hmm. um, and um, following your passion and, and in a way in which you're not going to get a college degree is going to cost you the study show over a million dollars in your lifetime. But it's not even just the amount of income that you lose. It's the amount of choices that you will have. I mean, the reality today is that most jobs require most jobs that are interesting and give you flexibility and give you some options in your life uh, require a college degree. And they require whether or not the job itself should require, but with computers, um, you know, with sorting through job applicants online, um, if you don't have a college degree, you get spit out before anybody even looks at your application or your resume. So um, I cannot emphasize enough what a dividing line a bachelor's degree is uh, for people. In some cases, an associate's degree, if you're in a, you know, a, a technical field, you know, in nursing or something else. But degrees matter now, believe it or not, more than ever. So for that person who's sitting there on the fence wondering whether they should drop out, you better have a good plan on how you're going to get back in there and get your degree because it only gets harder as you get along in life. And, and the jobs that you're going to get without a degree are going to restrict your lifestyle a lot. They may be jobs that don't give you set schedules, so you can't plan to have more schooling or childcare or a second job. Um, and, and there's jobs where you'll have less flexibility in your hours or your vacation. So your lifestyle will be very much inhibited without a college degree. So that's the first thing I say to any person, male or female, young person, the consequence of dropping out of college or not going to college is unfortunately, I think, uh, rightly or wrongly, greater mm-hmm. today than ever before. Um, so so that's the first thing I say. And I see a lot of young people dropping out of college. Um, and, and on the other hand, I'm an employer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see job applications. I see resumes. And truthfully, um, you know, even I, you know, we, what we want to look for with a college degree is what we call, excuse my language, but in seat, you know, somebody who's able to stick something through long enough to complete something. And, um, so that's, that's the first thing I'd say. Um, the second thing I'd say, especially to women is take a coding class. You know, coding is the foreign language of our day in a way. And I I know I'm sitting here in Silicon Valley, but there's a very good chance that in some job you're going to have, you're going to be interacting with people who are developing uh, software or programs. And it would be good if you are not intimidated by it. You don't have to become a coder. You don't Mm -hmm. have to become an engineer, but to be able to understand that language and to take that intimidation away, to think that, you know, only certain kinds of people can understand it, I mean, most coding is logic and it is another language. So take at least one coding class if you can. 
um, so that you can learn, um, not be intimidated. And the other class I would tell you to find a way to take one way or the other, either in school or on part-time, is a project management class. Because sooner or later, you're going to be running a project. And having that on your resume and having some of those skill sets are going to really hold you in good stead as an employee, as a business owner, as a mom, you know, whatever. And while you can, uh, take a project management class or so. All right. See, I knew you'd have the answer. <laughs> I, I knew so it. It's more specific than you probably thought. <laughs> no, no, no. It's perfect. That's what. I, that's what. That's what we wanted to talk about. You know, you, you just mentioned mothers, and and more and more women are are wanting to to work freelance also, and and certainly at home, especially if they've had uh, children. And I would like to see the culture move to a place where fathers could be as responsible as mothers. So it wouldn't be an expectation that the mothers have the primary responsibility for, for child care. But that's not necessarily the case for the most part, as we know. And, and, and if you hire a nanny, it tends to be more, than, more expensive than what you're going to make if you work. So, so, James, let me just tell you, I was active in, early on in the women's movement. And one of the goals of the women's movement right from the beginning was outstanding affordable childcare. Um, and it is a real shame that, you know, here we are decades later, mm-hmm. and that is, that is less, it's less vis- vocal in the public discourse today than it was in the 80s, in the 70s and 80s. There was more discussion about the need for good affordable childcare 20, 30, years ago than there is today. And that conversation needs to be brought up again. I mean, now that doesn't mean that every woman who wants to work would rather have their child in childcare, right. uh, but many would, you know, mm-hmm. and, and many would want that choice. Um, but the reality in here, at least in Silicon Valley, and I think in much of America, is that by the time you have a second child, childcare is more expensive than what you're probably going to be right. earning. And, and, and when you put in commute times and clothing times and everything, it just doesn't make economic sense at some point to work again, to work outside the home. And, and that, that takes the choice away. And, and one thing I'm all for is choice for, for women. If you want to be a stay-at-home mom, that's great. You should have mm-hmm. that choice or a stay-at-home dad. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to have great child care for your child while you go to work, full-time or part-time, that should be a choice. If you want to not have children, that should be a choice. Um, and I think what we want to be able to do is make the infrastructure uh, and society's response able to enable those choices. And, we, and we've taken that choice away from most women, most, uh, particularly women, not just uh, parents, uh, by the cost and not only the unaffordability, but the quality of childcare. Childcare workers are paid you know, terribly in our society. So that's the first thing. And that was one of the reasons that I had a baby friendly office. So, um, so when I, I had a wonderful office manager who I did not want to lose. Um, and she brought her baby to work for five months, uh, part-time. And, um, we adjusted the office so that the conference room, she could go into, you know, to breastfeeding and it was a very good baby, so it wasn't disruptive. And, you know, I wanted to walk the talk. Um, and uh, so we did that a couple of times. And, and by the way, I learned that from somebody when I was giving a speech in Boise, uh, Idaho. One of the small business award winners had done that in her business. So those role models of saying, 
we're going to find ways to try to accommodate women who are having children. Um, I think that's an important thing to do. And it's the reason I'm bringing it up now is because I want other women and other men to understand that they have to be part of the solution. And if it's not necessarily a baby-friendly office, really thinking through how can we make it um, better and easier for people to both raise children and raise children in a way that they feel is good for their children and um, a good supportive environment and still pursue their own professional uh, or career goals. And, and that's, that's a challenging conversation that we're not having enough of. I agree completely. I, I should have worked in your office years ago. <laughs> I threw, if you told my kids to be quiet, they would be quiet. <laughs> they didn't listen to me, but they'd listen to you. So, but you uh, know, I, I, had, I, I had a couple yeah. of male friends who started a business and in their conference room, they did the whiteboards. They painted all the white, uh, you know, they painted all the walls uh, with white, that whiteboard paint all the way down to the floor so that they could bring their children in after school and have the conference room be a play area for their kids. And these were men, but they knew their wives worked and they wanted to be able to do after school care for the kids. And so they um, set up their conference room so in the afternoon it could be a, a play area for their children. Well, that's, that's it. You know, it's interesting. I, I remember years ago that, do you remember Joan London when she was on, I think it was either Good Morning America or Today, one of, one of the morning talk shows. And, and she was talking about, well, it's so, you know, it's not difficult to have, uh, to be a mother and to, and to, uh, to work. And, you know, everyone was sort of, you know, listening to her. And then I realized she had ABC build her a studio, a nursery, an entire nursery <laughs> for her children right there. And I thought, well, if you have that that's that's not so hard so um but but what you're saying is very true i wish more and more people and and employers would be open to doing this because i know even in law firms see women who are attorneys and they work literally 24 hours and call it a day and and they you know nobody says in the end gee i wish i had gone to the office more on their dying bed so uh, to enable uh, women, mothers, to have more time to spend with their children, even and and work, would be fantastic. Would be ideal. So hopefully but, that will but happen. But let's not dismiss the satisfaction that people get from work. I mean, you know, that's a, a commonly said thing that no one says on the deathbed. I wish I'd spent more time at my office. But there are plenty of people who, on the deathbed, said say, "I wish I had." Um, pursued a career, right. or I had wished I'd pursued other kinds of, of of goals. I mean, work can be very satisfying, and, oh, and uh, you and I are both doing work we find satisfying. I right. suspect. Um, and so, what we want to be able to do is for is have that balance and have, uh, you know, we can't have it all, but we can have, try to have more balance. And if we can sort of expand this conversation a bit, I think. One of the things as we're talking about is, is how do we make more female values? And that's, I'm saying that in sort of the broader sense, come to our, our workplace, maybe to our, our public life as well. But, you know, more of a, a kind of a, a values where we uh, understand that work should be off, is a big part of people's lives they need people while they're at work need to be treated with dignity and respect, you know, uh, collaborative, um, you know, some of the kinds of things that we're seeing is it, it's that more and more now work requires, you know, the kind of 
knowledge work that we do requires intuition and requires teamwork and requires things that we used to associate with women. And yet a lot of the people who we celebrate are these, you know, super bro kind of cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, especially here in Silicon Valley. And, and I think, you know, women need to also be saying, we want values of respecting everyone, of creating an, um, a more tolerant workforce, a more diverse workforce, where we're not bullying people, um, is is one thing that we're going to work for, um, and and that we're going to demand. We're going to work for if we're uh, an owner or a manager, and we're going to demand if we're uh, an employee. You know, we're going to catch people when they're doing things that we think are too um, are are not uh, promoting those kinds of values. Yeah, no, I agree. So, and I must say, my comment about not spending more time at the office on your deathbed, my mother, who was a very, very successful career woman, uh, on her deathbed, she had a moment of lucidity. And she said, gee, I wish I had spent more time with you when you were growing up. And I said, you, now you think of it? <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't have thought of this earlier, <laughs> like years ago. But no, that, that's very true. We bring the values of our, our parents with her. But she always said to follow follow your dreams, follow your passion. If you can find a way to get it paid for them, that's, that's even better. So, um, well, well I have parents of young children, and and they love being with their young children, and it's fabulous, and they're adorable, and they're enriching. But it's also frustrating sometimes. Let's be honest. And and having 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 you know the mom, whether it's a mom's night out or whether it's some meaningful work, you know, is also for many, many women, not all, a good balance in their life. Well, you know, you have to because eventually your your children, your young children will get older and they'll go start school. And then you go, you know, I, when, I, I'm sick of discussing the difference between pampers and huggies. You know, I want to do something meaningful right. in my life. And that is... Um, that's when they, if they had their hand in doing something all along, it wouldn't be such a huge step. They would know a little bit more about what they wanted to do. I, I see that all the time, these young mothers, and you think, oh, how nice they're spending all this time with their children. But then again, uh, they will reach a point where they'll say, what do I do now? You know, and, and that's also, um, that's also and an issue. Raise, and raising children is incredibly meaningful. I mean, there, there's probably almost nothing more meaningful you can do, but on a day-to-day basis, you know, talking, you know, looking at the Huggies versus Pampers may right. not be providing that much meaning. Uh, so, no. um, but there's, there are real, you know, besides having children, whether even women who, you know, are young women, women without children, women whose kids are grown have, um, have opportunities and challenges in today's workplaces. And, uh, and it, you know, it can be a, a very vibrant and exciting time. I have a, a young niece who's at the beginning of her professional career, and I see through her eyes how exciting it is to be, you know, entering, you know, sort of the real world and to be um, developing skill sets and confidence. And um, and it's it's really, you know, wonderful to see some of the opportunities that young women um, and other women can have today. And um, many, I mean many more responsibilities than, you know, I would have been given at the same age, you know, people do um, trust a lot of young people more. And so they're able to develop more of their uh, skill sets and capabilities as well. 
By the way, you look like you're 30. So I just want to tell you, for everyone who thinks that you may be a slightly older the way you're talking, that is not true. If you if you look at your appearance, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but not not quite yet. I have an, another couple of questions, and this is um, this is something. It just could be my personal well, experience. You. Yes, and it's very very true. Um, this is from my personal experience, and and I find women in the workforce, and I know a lot of women that I have worked with. Um, they find that women are not more difficult to work with per se, but sometimes they could be a little more jealous, a little sneakier, a little more of the backbiting type. I, I, I have had this, and as I said, in a personal experience when uh, I was at Town and Country and um, one of my very close friends had gone behind my back to try to, to get my, my job as beauty, health and fitness editor. And I was not happy. I found out about it and thank goodness, you know, the, the job stayed with me. But, you know, I find them to be a little bit, um, for men, I think, and again, I might be wrong, I think they're able to compartmentalize a little bit more. If someone gets a promotion or hired above them, they feel it's well it's probably good for the firm you know we'll make more money and we'll all uh, get promotions because of it but women might feel um they they want to uh push the uh push them out the window (laughs) push the other woman out the window um do you think that there is a bit of more jealousy among women in the workforce well i hope not and I hope we cut it out. And I see that much less with younger women than I did with women a, a couple of decades ago. I think when there were fewer opportunities for women, um, you know, it was, I, I think there was that sense that we were competitive. We were mm-hmm. all competitors with one another. Um, and I think this goes back to, you know, bringing a more female perspective to the world and to the working world, particularly. And I think, um, you know, I think we all need to start seeing one another as people who can help one another. We, we haven't climbed the mountain top enough, you know, that glass ceiling is still there to, uh, to be, to think we're all on an equal playing field. And what I've really learned, um, as I've, you know, worked through my, uh, career is I think, um, I think women do better when we help one another um, rather than when we see each other as competitors. I mean, clearly there's real competition. I mean, um, I own a business. They're, you know, competitors for, you know, for my customers. And so whether they're a male or a female, I'm going to compete with them. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, as as I write about in business and I can tell you in small business, you're much better if thinking about how you can improve than about how you can just beat the competition. Um, and I think, um, so, you know, there was somebody, I think it was Madeline Albright said, there's a, a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, um, I think there is sort of a, a growing sense of sisterhood. Um, and in, that when we empower each other, we empower ourselves. So, um, I, I think, I think I personally were mo- was more competitive with other women when I was younger than I am now. And it's not just a matter of achieving a certain accomplishment, but recognizing that, you know, the competition I face isn't usually so much from another woman, but from the reality of, of, you know, the work world as it is. Uh, and which is, keeps women, you know, competing with one another to some degree. Right. So um, I, I, 
I think the other thing, and, and let's talk about this for a second, because I think this is something that I, I see all the time. And I tell women all the time, uh, this is, and this is going to sound bad, when it comes to promoting yourself, think like a man. And um, I, I give speeches all the time. And one of the things that I say in every group, every group I've ever spoken to, both male and female, agree with what I say. And I, it's that a friend had once told me who was a hiring manager. She said, if a job requires 10, has 10 requirements, a man will apply if he has one. And a woman won't apply if she's missing one. Hmm. So like a, a man, if he, if he sees 10 requirements, will say, well, I have one of them. I can apply. Mm-hmm. And a woman says, well, I only have nine out of 10. I better not apply. And um, women, women overprepare and overjudge themselves. And so I'm constantly telling young women, if you see a job you want and there's anything that you can do that relates to it, go ahead and apply. What do you have to lose? Uh, that, and, and by the way, men agree with that. It's not just women. Men will agree. They'll apply if there's one thing that they have. So there's a confidence level, a willing to go out there and try something and accept rejection um, that men often have that women are lacking. And um, so <laughs> I've told this to people who go, okay, I'm now going to apply for that job. I didn't think I would apply for it. Um, but it's true in a lot of things. And I, I think one of the reasons that women see each other as competitive with other women is because they're holding themselves back from going for you know bigger prizes sometimes or for tooting their own horn. Right. Mind you, it's a, it's a very narrow um, line you have to walk. When a man toots his own horn, he's seen as confident, uh, mm-hmm. although he may be cocky, but he's seen and when a woman does it, she's seen as sort of pushy or bossy or brassy True. or whatever. True. And and so it's much harder for women, and it really is. That doesn't and, mean you shouldn't do it. No, no, I, I agree with you completely. And also, I think that that, that women could lack a little, um, sometimes a little self-confidence because looks do matter. You never see a man walk in there and say, oh, gee, I, he shouldn't have worn that tie today. Or, oh, gee, maybe if he parted his hair on the right or wore a little mascara. You know, it doesn't work for women. Um, you have to look uh, professional, you have to look good, and you have to manage the business and, and your family life and every other demand of your time, which is not necessarily asked uh, for men. What do you think of um, women and and having to look good all the time? Is that important? Oh, Jane, I'm so glad you brought this up. And this is one of the things we talked about at that panel, because the reality is, unfortunately, that looks matter. I mean, um, I would love for us to be in a world in which um, the the degree of judging people were the same for men and women. But in fact, um, looks matter for everybody, but women get judged even more so. Um, and um, I think I think we have to understand that that's just part of our professional career. We also have to deal with, um, you know, whether it's wearing um, nice professional clothes when you walk into a meeting um, where a man can be wearing a hoodie and t-shirt, you know, hoodie and jeans. A woman needs to be dressed more nicely. And I, yeah. if you recall, Randy Zuckerberg talked right, about how brother. she gave a presentation <laughs> and, and the guy came looking like he just came out of bed and she had been, you know, primping all day. Right. And, and the, the, the organizer said why they, she was terrific, but why they wish that she'd paid more attention to her appearance. Right. I mean, that's so not going to happen yeah. to a guy. 
Yeah. And on um, the other hand, her brother, Mark, just wears a hoodie and jeans and he's fine. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so let's talk about but but they matter, but we shouldn't obsess over them because you can spend so much time on your looks that you're not taking care of other things. And and as we talked about, if you're too if, if it looks like you've spent too much time on your looks or you're too, um, you know, it looks like you're provocative, then you're not taken seriously either. So just as we have to t- walk a sort of fine line when it comes to um, how much we, how we promote ourselves, it's also with our looks. And so thank you very much for telling saying that I look 30. But one of the things that I've understood with my own life is that I have to make sure that I look vital, uh, professional, you know, my hair is done and my makeup is done, but you know, I don't spend 45 minutes on my makeup. You know, I spend 10 minutes on it, you know, but I've learned how to do it so I can do it fast. And, you know, truthfully, you know, a little bit of injection here or there as one ages is for men or women. I mean, I've definitely known men who were out in the um, job hunting field who, you know, went for some injectables and uh, I'm coming out of the closet too. I mean, I've had some DMN, you know, which helps reduce um, wrinkles, keeps me looking younger. And I had a client tell me who I've worked with for, you know, a decade and they said, Oh, Rhonda, you never age, you know, which meant they were probably talking about how old I am. But the reality (laughs) is I, I look like I never age. And, and, it makes it faster for me in the morning when I'm getting dressed in terms of makeup. Um, but it also, you know, a couple of injections here or there, uh, you know, um, like a, a filler, I guess, radius is, is one or something. Or right. Human, uh, yeah. a, we've yeah. talked about those. They, I, I think we need to come out of the closet and recognize that people are doing that and, um, and it's helping them stay, in the workforce and be taken seriously. And why, since I know that if I look too old, people will not give me opportunities, why should I let that be a barrier to my growth uh, and to my professional advancement? Um, And I like what I do. I like being able to be, you know, a public speaker or, you know, spokesperson and other kinds of things out in the world. why should I let just the force of nature keep me from being able to have that part of my life? Um, so, well, whatever you're doing, I, I sort of, whatever you're doing works, Rhonda. Let me tell you this. And I think <laughs> Dr. Dr. Chavez, we're all going to go see Dr. Chavez. She's actually going to be on the show at the uh, Union That's Square good. Dermatology. She does lasers and injectables. And we're all, I have, we have lots of plastic surgeons also on the show. And it's true. Their business is booming because of just what you said. People just want to look, they, they want to look like themselves, but better. Um, and that's, right. that's, you know, and, and one of the doctors said, look, if you spend too much time just looking at one of your features and you hate it, just get it done, you know? So, so there you go. Well, and I, you know, and I think, you know, so I have a, a friend who is one of the, uh, who is an expert, expert in her field. Um, and, um, she was still getting offers to do incredible things. Um, and, you know, because she used a little, you know, it, it helped that she looked, uh, you know, vital. I wouldn't even say young because, you know, we're not trying to look like 25 year olds. We're trying to look like professional women who are still able to do the things that we're able to do. Um, 
and and I think that's just part of of daily of real of of business life right now. Um, and I think we feel like it's just vanity, but it's you know it's remember I said I like having choice. I like women right. to have choice, and um, to to lose a choice because somebody sees a wrinkle is. Is just a shame. The other thing I would say, you thank you for the compliments. I was very fortunate. When I was 23 years old, a dermatologist told me that I should never, ever walk outside the door without sunscreen. And it can be a rainy gray day and I have sunscreen on my face. So I have never walked out the door. I, I probably have, I could count on one hand in all these years, the times I've walked out the door without sunscreen on my face. So wear sunscreen, as they say. You give all kinds of advice. I, I, you, you are like all, <laughs> all, all purpose, I mean, it, down to down to the sunscreen. It's funny because yeah. I, I, I wouldn't mind looking twenty five. That's why it's great for radio because no one really knows, you know, how <laughs> you could just be on the microphone and nobody knows exactly. Um, but uh, and and then the older that my my son, my oldest son is thirty eight. So I now say, you know, people wow. do the math. You know, you go hmm, thirty eight, and how old did you say you were? And then you say, oh no no no, he's my stepson. You know, it works until someone asks you who your husband's first wife is. And then you realize that he was married before. You know, no, wait a minute. <laughs> and you started this rumor, right? <laughs> you yourself started this rumor. So. Um, let us, if we could, end on just some of your personal personal lifestyle tips, tips to live by from Rhonda Abrams. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, thank you, Jane. First of all, um, walk every day. Um, and uh, I, I always take a long walk every day. It's a good reason to have a dog. I would probably be walking this much anyway, but when you walk a dog, nobody thinks you're crazy when you're walking around all day. Um, Second, be present. Um, get turn off those screens. I mean, I see so many people, including mothers, who are with their children or with their loved one or whatever, and their eyes are glued to a screen. Um, turn it off. You know, uh, really um, <laughs> eat real food. Stop eating all the processed foods, and and really pursue um, pursue what you you know. Go for it. Don't. Um, I think especially women, I think, I think don't self-censor yourself. Don't, don't give yourself tapes that tell you all the things you can't do. Uh, but whatever your age, whatever your stage, tell yourself the things you could do or you could try rather than the things that um, you can't do. We're, we're all very good at telling ourselves the things that are shortcomings, but um uh, let's let's have some internal tapes that tell ourselves some positive things as well. Yeah, do exactly change change the tapes. And as I said in the very intro, positive thinking can really uh, prolong your life. So it has very very profound effects on us. And I think we can find you, if I'm correct, at planningshop.com, which is your website, or at Rhonda Abrams on Twitter. Correct? At Rhonda, yes, or uh, Rhonda Abrams Small Business on Facebook. Terrific. I thank you for sharing with all of us, you know. Well, thank you, Jen. This has really been a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Well, everyone, that's our show. Thank you again, Rhonda Abrams. And thank you, Laurie, as always. And thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins-Michael. I will see you soon. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins-Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice. 
from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guests, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael.